Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. We're going to be joined today by Will Gottlieb from CHGO Bulls and CHGO Sports, one of the newer outlets in Chicago, and really looking forward to talking with him. But before we do that, Drew, what the hell's happened in the last week? Because I literally, I was going to come in here guns blazing tonight, and we come off the heels of a, a nice win against the Boston Celtics. So I don't know what the hell to think right now. I mean, isn't that just like a Chicago sports team? You know, they they give you every reason to leave your fandom at the door, and then they pull you back in with a win against a team that has won, had won nine straight games and is widely expected to contend for an NBA championship. I, you know, it's it's like that line from Godfather 3, the worst of the Godfather movies, right? Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in, <laughs> that, that line. But I, they seem to have Boston's number. They've played them three times here in this early stretch of the season, and they've – I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what the what the matchup is that's that's working, but that, that happens in the NBA, right? There's always that team that you just seem to match up well against, and it seems like Boston's that team, unless Boston's just taking the Bulls lightly, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for as much as we can make out of it for now, it, it definitely – is something that they seem to be able to, to fit them well, you know, between Boston doing a lot of switching and how that plays into the Bulls being able to play through Vucevic and, and him not only score down low, but um, kind of playmaking out of being double team to, um, you know, DeRozan's ability to, to hit shots and not have to deal with the Toronto Raptors like defensive scheme. So, um, it's something that I'm excited to ask Will about and get his thoughts on, but I'm trying not to get lost in too much of the sauce of the victory. Uh, they've got three wins against uh, the Celtics and Heat. They had one last last season, so I don't know, man. This it's it's been a it's been an interesting season thus far, to say the least. I mean, it's such a small sample size, right? And you look at the two games before that, you lose a, a tough one against the Pelicans because you you come out of that stretch where you had some time off after that that awful Nuggets loss and it just was a lackluster effort against the Pelicans and then with the Magic you know that game you're down same kind of piss poor effort you had against the Pelicans you come back you take a lead and then you know Zach's on the bench Vooch misses two free throws and Jalen Suggs comes down knocks down a game winner and then you had all that Zach drama, which we'll we'll get into, I'm sure, with with Will. But I mean, if you want to talk about totally flipping a script, then with a win against the Celtics, yeah, it was it was crazy. And and you, you know, you're right. Like we can't look past those two losses because you and I talked on the last episode. It, this that was our our concern. Like, could they come out with that lack of effort and? is that a sign that potentially Billy's losing the locker room? And based on what happened, even with Zach's comments, like, yeah, that, it seemed like it was headed that way, but um, you know, th- that effort certainly was there against Boston. Now you just wonder, are they that mediocre team that's going to rise to the level of competition and then play down to some of that lower competition too? Like that, that happens with teams that kind of are around that middle of the road, you know, mark in the NBA. 
Yeah, I mean, like Billy Donovan has, has said recently, you know, this team just needs to do a better job of staying in the moment and not getting lost in missed shots or turnovers or, you know, if when and if it happens, being down by, you know, several buckets. They've got to be able to stay in each play as it happens and 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 make plays and, you know, not just let things snowball in, in, into double-digit deficits that they have to, you know, fight like hell to get out of um, just to lose in the end like we've seen them do a couple times so far this season, um, not only against Orlando on Friday, but earlier in the season against, you know, the Washingtons of the world or, or the Spurs, you know, games that you could you could say, I think, confidently that, you know, they should win. It's the NBA, of course, teams and players are, are getting paid to go out there and put out their best foot, put their best, best foot forward. But, you know, games like that, you got you to gotta win, man. And DeMar DeRozan and all those guys speak to not allowing teams to get them behind the A ball so much um, because then they become so reliant on DeMar DeRozan saving the day, which is something that they keep talking about wanting to stay away from. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great win for them. It's good to see them break up that four-game skid. But now they've shown us what they can do, do it again. Absolutely. I agree with that. And, um, you know, if, if that's going to – if this could be that win that launches you and maybe was the, the defining win of the season that could turn it around, that'd be great. But I hope that's the case. All right. Joining us on today's episode is none other than Will Gottlieb. He covers the Bulls for CHGO Sports, and he also co-hosts the CHGO Sports podcast with Matt Peck and Dave Watson and Mark K. Will, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. It's great to finally be able to jump on the show. I'm excited to talk Bulls with you guys. It's great to have you here, Will. And, um, you know, CHGO launched in March, I think really like during the thick of the Bulls season and playoff run and i really there's been a wealth of content since it's launched even during all the off-season buzz and dog days of the off-season um for you how's the experience been with this new venture this new media outlet it's been amazing yeah it started uh march 4th of this year uh i think the first game was actually um i think it was an espn game against the bucks which they lost it was a close game but it was kind of like the the start of this downward trend for the the second half of the season where they just did not play well at all so it's kind of bad timing in terms of the way that the bulls were playing but um yeah i mean it's just been awesome to work with matt and dave uh the job itself has been amazing and then you know kicking off the season ramping up and and drew's been around too just like being around the team and getting to ask questions you want to ask and write the stories you want to write and then go talk about the bulls every day on a podcast. It's really couldn't be better. So will just admitted that CHGO is the curse of the bulls downturn. Is that what you just admitted? You, you heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay. That's not true. We don't believe in jinxes. That's not true. <laughs> will we'll get into, to uh, Monday's victory over the Celtics in a minute, but I wanted to ask you what you thought of the four game losing streak that preceded Monday's victory because I thought it was a little bit alarming just in terms of the effort level and how that kind of waxed and waned um, because even though they've been getting off to slow starts they have been able to kind of come back and dig themselves out of it but the effort level the energy level that we saw them display especially in 
um, against the Nuggets uh, a couple of Sundays ago um, was really low, was really low. The sense of urgency seemed to be really down. Um, what did you what did you make of that four game losing streak? It was kind of like all my worst fears about this team coming to life at the same time. Um, especially when they started the season off having so many games in so few days, right? Like there were so many back-to-back, Zach Levine was sitting out and they were kind of like staying afloat. They were, they were treading water. And then all of a sudden you get some breaks here. You get like three days off between a game and you just come out looking as flat as they did against the Nuggets. They lost twice to the Pelicans and then, you know, to the Magic, obviously, which was like, it seemed like rock bottom, right? Like, I mean, that was, that was brutal. Um, I've never been somebody who's like, I got to coach effort. Like I want to, I need to see like a level of intensity out of the guys on any given night, because like, that's, that's like the, the baseline of the job for me. Like if you're going to be an NBA player, you got to be there in order to play at your level. Um, especially when you're a team that's trying to win, especially when you're full of guys that went through what they went through last year in the playoffs and the second half of last year. Um, so when that isn't there, it's just like, of course you're going to lose these games. And it, it sucks from like an outsider perspective or a media perspective where you have to like write about, well, there's no energy. Like these guys don't care. That's just like, it's such a tired storyline. And it's more like what is going on here that's causing them to get off to these slow starts where they can't dig themselves out because we saw them able to do that for the first couple of weeks of the season. And then I, th- I think it was just this instance of like, they, they seem to be a team that's a little bit complacent at times when they play a Wizards or a Spurs or a Magic now. Like these are teams that they should beat, that they were used to beating last year. And I think for whatever reason, they just maybe it's that they assume that they're going to win or they, they, you know, don't need to come out with as much energy because the team isn't as good or whatever it is. And then, you know, you have these games that they weren't able to win last year against the Celtics uh, twice now in the heat. and um, those are the games that you really have to get up for. So it's just kind of weird. And you know, it's only, you know, 17, 16 games into the season, but it's really hard to get a read on a team when they're just so different day to day. To your point, I think there was a lot of noise around Bulls Nation about what was the cause of these slow starts and, you know, the idea that Billy Donovan needed to shake things up in the starting lineup. And you guys asked him about that before the Orlando game on Friday. And I think he took that question and he turned it into an instance where he can kind of publicly implore the big three of Vucevic and Levine and and DeRozan to help the team get off to a better start. Were you surprised that he, he went that direction with the question that he was asked? A little bit. I mean, every time Billy has done something like this, it's never been, you know, him coming out and saying like, this dude sucks. Like I want to see more out of, you know, X player. Like it was more like all these questions to your point about, you know, can they get maybe Dragic in there to, to spark the offense a little bit? He's been fantastic getting up and down the floor. Maybe they can get some instant offense that way. Or, you know, Patrick struggles at times. Can, can we maybe get Javante in the starting lineup? And what does that maybe do for the defense or the transition game? Billy's like, you know, you can tinker with the, with the lineups all you want. That's not going to address the main issue. The main issue is that we're just not playing very well. And that starts with 
those three that you mentioned. Um, and so I don't know, like, I mean, it was a call out in the sense that like he named those guys. Um, and I, and it's just based on the way that things were going, like three game losing streak, you come into this game against a team, you, you have to beat um, to try to like get that spark there to make sure that they come out with a sense of urgency that they needed to come out with. Um, so I think it was just like a coaching tactic and, you know, it didn't work. They lost the game, but like, that was, I think, like I said, kind of rock bottom and, um, hopefully they're able to sort of come together. You know, there's this whole thing about Zach responding to it and, you know, agree to disagree and all that stuff. But like, as long as they move forward on the same path, I think they'll be able to make progress. So I kind of wanted to get into a little bit about that instance with with Zach. So, of course, he was benched in the final minutes of that loss against the Magic last Friday night. And despite a rough shooting night from the floor, he said after the game, quote, you play a guy like me down the stretch, end quote. And there seemed to be that disagreement there with Billy Donovan. What were your thoughts from Zach's comments that night following the loss to the Magic? I thought he kind of should feel that way. Like he is the max player. He is sort of, you know, you could argue it, but like he kind of is the face of the franchise. And I think in some ways he really has earned that right. And like, if you, if you need scoring out there, if you need somebody to go in and shoot free throws out there, like he's, he's pretty much the guy you want on the floor. Um, But then you also listen to Billy talk about it after the game. and, And his point was like, Zach was not playing well. He was one for 14. Like I got to give my team the best chance to win. And, you know, Zach is not only like missing shots, but taking bad shots, trying to force them, taking those shots away from guys like DeMar or, you know, getting into a better flow of offense where they can get something for, you know, an open corner three or, you know, a back cut or whatever it is. Um, I, I do think he was really actively hurting the team. So I got it from both sides. Um, I think if you're a player of Zach's caliber, you kind of need to have that mentality of like, yeah, I'm better than this. And I've earned the right to be able to play in these moments and shoot my way out of it. Um, But, you know, if it were me, I don't know if I would have the balls to make that decision, but uh, I appreciate the reasons why Billy did. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a, 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 I like, I like that he did it. Because it's not to me, it doesn't say there's a lot of vocal leaders on this team or guys that hold other guys accountable. Um, so I think that might have been Billy's way of saying, Hey, this is the max money guy here, I'm doing this to him. You know, this, this should be a, some sort of a trickle down effect of maybe responsibility. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but from that standpoint, um, I liked it because, like you said, Zach Levine was not playing particularly well in that game. Not only was he, you know, having a tough night shooting, but he wasn't able to affect other areas of the game. Now we move it forward to Monday's win where he still didn't shoot the ball particularly well, shot it better, but he was putting his imprint on different parts of the game. He seemed more engaged defensively. He was playmaking. Uh, Billy Donovan spoke to that in, in the postgame press conferences, the way that um he was reading the game all that being said do you feel like this team goes as Zach Levine goes like as much as we make of Patrick Williams's development Ayo DeSumo's development and DeMar DeRozan not falling off a cliff from his level of production last season is it still kind of really about Zach 
For sure. I mean, I think the way that this team is constructed, like, you know, when they, when they made all the moves to get Vooch and Damar and Lonzo and Crusoe, I think, you know, they never, I don't think they ever thought they were going to be as good as they were for those first 60 games. Like they, I mean, they just overachieved. And I think Damar was like the reason why, right? Like he was playing at an MVP level. Um, I don't think when you make that trade, I mean, no, no team in the league thought thought he was going to play like that. Otherwise they would have, you know, match the offer, paid him more. Um, but I think the idea was you bring in a guy who is a big wing, who can create plays, who can facilitate and who can score and who can take um, opportunities to close out games into his own hands and not rely on Zach, who struggled in those situations um, in the past. But at the same time, you have somebody who can like teach him how to read situations in those games um, teach him how to be a better, smarter facilitator and understand, you know, how to pick and choose spots for him to score versus facilitate. I think to me, it seems sort of like the goal of that signing was to have sort of a bridge where you can compete at a high enough level now with Damar, but then he'll eventually sort of pass the torch to Zach. Um, Damar has held up his end of the bargain. He's actually just far exceeded that, but um, yeah, I think it's on Zach now to to take the next step of the, as a player. That's why you pay him as much as they did. Um, he he needs to be better, and you know he's still obviously recovering from this knee thing that's been um, a little bit more concerning, I think, than anybody would have thought. But uh, if this team is going to be really good, it's going to be because Zach has gotten a lot better, um, and I think he has scope to grow, but. Right now, I think this knee is just really holding him back, and it's causing some uh, some strife with with the head coach at times. But it's also just like resulted in these games where they don't really look like the complete team that we saw at the first end of last year, and um, the team that sort of like was competing with the Bucks in those first two playoff games. So from one player that's been under the microscope in Zach Levine to another in Patrick Williams. You know, we've seen flashes from him on the offensive end of the floor recently, but it's still a, a roller coaster so far this season. And, I, you know, just to on the record, I've had concerns, but I don't know if I'm ready to hit the panic button yet. But when do you think Bulls Nation should be ready to hit the panic button? Is there is there something we have to see that should have us a little more alarmed in terms of where he is in his development? Yeah, Um I mean, I think that the expectations were a little bit out of hand with him. And so when you have these super high expectations and the guy fails to to meet them, it looks even worse, right? Um, Patrick has not played well at times. He's also looked a lot better over the last stretch of games. He had that season high 17 points against the Celtics. Um, and he just looks like a little bit more comfortable. Um I think he has struggled defensively throughout the majority of his career, but he seems to be picking up some things. I'm looking a little bit better on that end. Uh, I don't know if I've seen enough from Patrick to say he's got like superstar Kawhi Leonard type of potential. Like I think that's, those are the the expectations that get him in trouble, not him for having them, but like it's, it's the, it's the reason why people get frustrated with him is because they think he has that, that sort of greatness in him. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but I just don't think we've seen anything really to indicate that he could get to that level. But I think what the Bulls really need out of him right now is to be like a very strong fourth, fifth option. And I think we're starting to see some of that, what it looks like. Um, 
you know, that Celtics game, I think, like I said, was a good example just with his aggressiveness, his um, looking to score the way that I think he defended a little bit better. Um, so yeah, he just needs to continue on that trajectory. Like it's not going to be a massive jump, but I also don't think that it's like, okay, he's, he's not quite yet. Like, let's get rid of him. Let's demote him to the G league. Let's trade him for, you know, bag of chips. <laughs> so with that win on Monday, the bulls are now two and one in their season series with the Celtics. Um, aside from them, getting down by 19 points in their very first game at the United Center has been very competitive. And it's led some people, namely Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago and Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation, to kind of start to, to think about the fact that the Bulls seem to match up pretty well with, with Boston and um, thinking about in terms of the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference, if a matchup with Boston wouldn't be the best or, you know, quote unquote, best situation of the top tier teams in the conference. Are you ready to buy in into that thought process? Or do you think that we shouldn't make too much of regular season games, especially when Robert Williams isn't there kind of anchoring the paint for the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, like the Bulls are, I think, 11th in the East right now. And I don't think they're really like beggars can't be choosers in terms of uh, who are they trying to get in the playoffs? Like they're, they're not even in the play in right now. So they need to like get it together in their own right. And then you can sort of start to game it there. But like, I think that is the reason why the bulls brought a guy like Vujin is because he has the skill set to be able to take advantage of teams when they go small. Like we saw it all night against the Celtics where he was really trying to get early seals and they were trying to get quick entry passes into him for post-ups. I think he only ended up with like seven shots but he made all six of his shots in the arc. Um, and then the facilitating out of there was really good too. Um, there are also teams that he, like, for example, they play the Bucks tomorrow. Like he's struggled against Brooke Lopez and Giannis because those guys are so much bigger than him. And so he's not able to play that inside out brand. So I think in that sense, like, yes, the Celtics are maybe a more favorable matchup because it maximizes one of their best, best players. Um, but yeah, I mean, Celtics are still really, really good. I'm not sure we saw the best of them in any of those three matchups. Um, but yeah, overall, like the Bulls need to get in the plan before I'm ready to start talking about who they're going to face in the playoffs. Well, one of the things that I really enjoyed during the offseason was uh, with the CHGO uh, Bulls podcasts, really getting into a lot of the minutia of what was going on and and talking about, you know, some of the the conflict within Bulls Nation of staying status quo, um, you know, and and maybe why that happened with with ownership kind of getting maybe involved with it or speculating that. One of the things that I can't help but think about when looking back at like the off season is maybe the Bulls miscalculating Lonzo Ball's absence and his potential impact. And I guess it's kind of hard to gauge because really didn't know at that point in, you know, June, July, that Lonzo would be, you know, out to start the season. Do you think that the Bulls greatly miscalculated his absence? And did that really kind of, you know, impact their their offseason or the way that they saw, you know, staying status quo going into this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely part of it. You look at sort of the, the timeline of when Dragic signed, I don't remember the day, but it was like much later into free agency. And it's like, okay, 
why are you now going out and signing, you know, we saw the growth that Io had. If Lonzo's going to be starting, why are you signing like a third string point guard? Uh, this team has much bigger needs in terms of like wing defenders and shooters. Like what, what is going on here? So I think in retrospect, that kind of was a, a signal that they, they thought he might not be ready. Um, but then obviously like with the timeline, the way it worked where he, the announcement that he was going to have the procedure was like the week before or that week of media day. And then the procedure wasn't for two more weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the timing of it all was really strange. Uh, ultimately it was like Lonzo's decision. It's his knee, it's his, you know, career and, and life that, that he's got to worry about. But, you know, from the bulls perspective, I think, you've got to hope that he was going to be there. I mean, he had been out for so long. It seemed like he was making progress, but just like the way that, that Lonzo spoke about the the rehab and just like being in pain when he's walking upstairs and that he hasn't been able to do the things that he wanted to do. It's like, it was just, it was all very strange. And I think that this idea of him coming back, it, it's like another thing that I think the the fan base at times just kind of overestimates his importance to the team. Not in, not in the sense that he's not a good player. I think I'm probably like number like leader in the clubhouse in terms of like Lonzo Ball is amazing, and I think the things that he does make the Bulls team great. Um, but I think they've done a really good job sort of navigating that to start the year. Um, so yeah, I mean, it seemed like just from an outside perspective, looking in, it seems like the communication probably wasn't great, um, and it seemed like they. Maybe there was a setback. Like it just, it seemed like he was more ready to go than he ended up being. And then obviously you have the second procedure and who knows if we'll see him um, at all this year, but just kind of, kind of a strange setup. And I think it, it did sort of handicap them in terms of their ability to make moves over the summer. So starting tomorrow, the Bulls are going to kick off a six game road trip with the Dayton Milwaukee. Um it's a six-game trip that's going to see them play four teams who are playing winning basketball and two teams in OKC and the Golden State Warriors, who you obviously can't take for granted, uh, not that the Bulls could anyway, just because of the up-and-down nature of the season and the inconsistencies that they've shown so far. Um, but how big of a impact do you see these six games or this six-game road trip having on the season? It's still just November. But, you know, we're getting to the, the stage in the, in the season where we're at games 20 and 21 coming up. Do you see this as a critical juncture in the season? Absolutely. Um, I think the Bulls finished 8 and 15 last year. And I think by the end of that season, you kind of had a pretty good sense of who that team was, right? And so if you translate that to the first 23 games of this season, like I think it's fair to say that this is going to be at the very least part of what this team is now, so many teams are going to end up selling their guys for picks and, and going for the, the tankathon. Um, I don't necessarily think the bulls are going to be in that category. So maybe some of those Eastern conference play in, or maybe even playoff spots start to open up. But like that, the reason that Celtics win was so big is because it gives them a little breathing room where you lose four in a row you have the Celtics and then the Bucks, And now all of a sudden you're like in the midst of a, a five game, six game road trip where you're playing all really good teams. Like they could have come out of that stretch, 10 games under 500. And at what point are you like, 
this is this is kind of what we are. Even if this isn't what we are, like we're so far out of the picture now that it's hard to get back into it. Like the the margin for error for this team is already small. If you're 10 games under 500, you have to be perfect. You just, you do, if you want to make the playoffs. And so uh, I think it's still a really critical period for them. They, they bought themselves some, some time with this Celtics win, which really was a great win. Like you, you bounce back from, like I said, rock bottom. I mean, that was, that was a terrible, terrible loss to the magic. Um, they can pick up two or three of these next six games. Like that'd be huge. But I mean, we're talking about, you know, three out of six games, like three out of 10 games like that, that would be a real big positive for this team. So this is a huge stretch for them. Um, Like I said, that Celtics win was big, but like, this is not slowing down. I think their schedule gets easier in the second half, but like they cannot let themselves fall too far in the standings before that time. Otherwise they're just gonna, it's like going down 19 points in the first quarter of a game. Like it's just so hard to dig yourself out of that hole. You know, what you were just saying there kind of made me think of something because um, if the Bulls do get to a point where maybe they are close to that 10 game under 500 mark, if it does spiral out of control here, is there a scenario where you can see them trying to sell off assets um, and and possibly go into the tank? Um, I never thought I would say that like before the season started, but, you know, with DeMar DeRozan having a year left on his contract after this season and Nikola Vucevic being an expiring contract. I mean, it would make sense, but do you actually see that happening with the bulls? If, if they do get to a point like that, I think things would have to be like so far out of hand, you know, months before the trade deadline and maybe 10 games below 500 is, you know, qualifies Uh, with them owing their, pick top four protected to the magic this year i think it becomes really difficult to try to thread that needle where you know if they if they don't get into the top four and try to protect their own pick they're going to give the magic you know the fifth pick the sixth pick the seventh pick in the draft um that's just like such a tough pill to swallow when you've already you know given them what they have uh but they've also like kind of locked themselves into this group, which, you know, the, the agenda was like, try to win games, right? Like you don't go get two all-star players and and pay Zach Levine $215 million to, to play for the middle, even like you're not, I just, I think it would be, it would have to be like some real apocalyptic disaster mode for that to happen. Um, I'm not sure what that would be, but my sense is that like, they're going to try to compete this year. Um, they'll have to reassess with Vooch, but like, yeah, I mean, the, the longer it goes before they start to pull themselves together, who knows? I mean, anything is, anything is possible, but I, I think that's pretty unlikely for now. Quick follow-up to that. If you do go that route, I mean, what could you get for somebody like a Nikola Vucevic on an expiring deal and potentially a DeMar DeRozan? Like, could that fetch you first round draft capital that could make up for losing a pick? I mean, a very high pick. I get that, but I mean, I, th- I think that's kind of the thing. Is like you look around the league, the best teams are kind of set up um, in the middle. Certainly, like you know, you've got your Jokic and Embiid and Carl Towns, um, but like even the Clippers. I mean, they've got Zubats, who's playing at a, probably a as higher, higher level than Vucevic right now. Um, 
it's a it's a tough contract to move just given that it's you know pretty sizable. Uh, I, I think it would be really tough to move him. You know, th- these teams aren't like e- expiring deals aren't really the same as what they used to be. Like teams aren't necessarily interested in trading for a guy, especially like that, who who has talent, who is a good player. Um, they'll lose him in free agency. Like they would want to lock him up longer term. And so I think it does become a little bit more difficult to move him. Plus just like the way that the league is trending, those kind of bigs aren't in demand as much as they used to be. So I'm not sure what you can get for him. I think sort of to, to answer the first question in sort of a roundabout way, like you probably start to consider those things a little bit more if you're getting really good value in return, but I don't think you're just like, you know, selling parts to tank just for the sake of it. Yeah. And, and for the record, like th- this was something too, like I, I had seen some stories come out. I know Drew, you shared the the one from, from CBS and I kind of heard this conversation also on the score for the record. I, I don't think, I don't think I would ever try to make moves like that either. I, I feel like you kind of are in a position where you have to ride or die with this team at this point. Yeah. And you don't necessarily like want to have no agency in your future. Like I think at a certain point, like you have to consider some cost, like they could move directions, but like, I don't think you just do that to do it. Like you have to have, you, you have to also get really good value. Like Booch was traded for a, a, a solid young player and two draft picks before maybe somebody else wants to give that sort of capital in return. And at that point, maybe it does become more worth it to you. But um, yeah, I I don't think you just do it to do it. Will, just kind of thinking about this team and the way it's constructed right now and and the question marks that still remain, even with that that win Monday, do you think we're kind of locked into a tug of war where the Bulls are going to be fighting themselves to not rely on DeMar DeRozan so heavily just because they're not consistently being able to get out on the break. They're not consistently, um, you know, forcing turnovers. Uh, you know, Billy Donovan is in a position where almost where no, no matter what decision he makes lineup wise, he's always going to be giving something up. Your colleague over at CHGO Sports, Marquet, um, wrote, what I thought was a pretty poignant column about Billy Donovan last week when Bulls Nation was coming at him with pitchforks and fire and brimstone um, because of the start that the team was getting off to and, and the effort level. But is this just what this is going to be with this team, you think, this year, just because of the the imbalance on this roster? Yeah, I think you kind of hit it there with that last part. Like, there's only so much you can do with – a roster that doesn't have shooting in the modern NBA. Like I, I hate sounding like, you know, the stereotypical blog boy who just like wants to shoot a lot of threes. But when you're 29th in the league, 30th in the league in three point attempts, and you're not shooting them 49% the way they did against the Celtics, like you're just, you are at a disadvantage. And when you aren't also getting the free throw line or getting on transition or offensive rebounding or making a ton of mid range shots at an unsustainably high level, it just becomes very high, hard to compete. Um, so I think that's a roster issue more than it is a Billy Donovan issue. Uh, he can try as many different lineup combinations as he wants. He's not going to find good shooters on this roster because there just aren't any. So to me, that's more on the roster construction element of it. And I think if, if the Bulls are going to make a move, if they're 
even where they are in the East right now, like just on the outside of the play-in tournament looking in, like they're going to continue to go for it. I think buying at the deadline uh, for, for one of these teams who is trying to sell off players by any means necessary to try to get into that Wemby sweepstakes, I think that could be something that maybe looks a little bit more likely. That being said, is anybody that you've kind of got your eye on as a potential partner or somebody that can bring in? I'm just starting to think about, you know, who some of those guys would be. Um, That's fair. The money, the money makes it a little complicated. Like Malik Beasley, I think would be a great player. He's making like 15. So it's a little bit hard to match there without giving up. Like, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to trade Lonzo if they wanted to, but like, I don't know where you cobble together 15 million. I don't really see them moving. Pat doesn't seem like Kobe really has any suitors. Um, I think the the assets that they have are, you know, some of their smaller salaries like Derek Jones Jr. Um, for example, and that Portland pick, maybe they combine they combo that with, you know, Kobe White and are able to get a $10 million player back. Um, doesn't quite get you to the Malik Beasley level, but like, that kind of player is, is more of a three and D um, wing who can defend a little bit, shoot on, shoot off the catch, shoot off the move. Um, somebody who can just like make them a little bit more dynamic on the offensive end without really sacrificing much on the defensive end. Like here I am talking about, you need three and D guys. Like the bulls don't have any, every team wants those guys. So they're always going to come at a premium. But I think if there's one glaring weakness on this team, it is shooting on the wing. Um, you know, as much as I criticize Drummond and Dragic signings, like they've been fantastic. Uh, Javante has been great. Caruso has been solid. Like this team actually does have some depth. I think if they can complement some of their better players with better shooting, it will just, I think that that's one of those things that builds you up to like more than the sum of your parts. All right. So as we wrap up here, one quick question for you, which team or I guess situation has been the biggest surprise, good or bad? in the Eastern conference for you so far this season? Yeah. The Eastern conference qualifier is tough. I, I was ready to say the jazz. Mm. Um, man. Yeah. I, I guess the Pacers, uh, I know the bulls beat them, but like, I think they've won like eight out of their last 10. They're on a, a big winning streak right now. Tyrese Halliburton is looking like an all-star Miles Turner's playing the best basketball of his career. I'm a huge Isaiah Jackson fan. I think he's going to be a really, um, dynamic defensive player in the league for a long time. Um, I, I like what they're doing. Matherin has been awesome. Just like scoring the ball, like a 12 year vet, um, but he's 20 years old. They, they've just got some nice pieces and um, you know, who knows what direction they'll go. Like we're talking about these teams that are going to sell parts to tank. I don't know. Like they're, they're in the thick of it right now and they've got really good young players um, and they've got guys like buddy healed and they're just, they're playing great basketball right now. So uh, that's definitely a team to watch out for. Yeah, Rick Carlisle, I think, has done a really good job there with the Pacers. Um, I, I want to give you the floor, though, on the Jazz real quick, because I think kind of goes into a larger conversation that's kind of bubbling in Bulls Nation about the development of Laurie Markin and even uh, Wendell Carter in Orlando. Like, I got to be honest, like the situation in Utah just, just completely shocked me. I yeah, everybody. Um, it's it's shocked you because it's shocking. Like, there's no reason this team should be good. Um, Will Hardy has obviously done a tremendous job, like, galvanizing that group and, like, getting them to play together and to a specific identity. Um, Lowry has 
like free reign, but he's also got like great spacing around him, great scoring compliments, great passing. That team is like passing the ball at a really high level. Um, you kind of see the the Celtics and Spurs tree coming out there. So um, yeah, for me, it's like, I don't think that those guys were ever going to develop here in Chicago. Um, the, what they went through and just like the, the infrastructure around them just didn't work. And it's a reason why I think people need to be a little bit more patient with Patrick. Um, not that he's going to, you know, be an all-star starter the way Lowry will be this year, but like, it's just, you know, the, the role in the situation takes some time and, you know, it, the, the team around him is not really meant for Patrick to, you know, spread his wings the way that Lowry is right now, for example. Um, so it takes time. The situation needs to be right. I'm really happy to see those guys playing well. Um, but I also think like if people were ready to deal them, then they can't, they can't really be upset when they start playing well for another team. Like I know the same thing is going to happen with Kobe at some point, he's going to move to another team and he's going to have one of those stretches that we all know Kobe can have where he gets super hot and the whole internet's going to melt because the bulls let another one of these guys go. But it's like, yeah, they're the bulls. The bulls fans have been done with him for a long time. And, you know, it just, it probably isn't going to happen here, but that doesn't mean it can't happen somewhere else. And I think they're going to have to, be ready to have that mentality with Patrick too, because at times it kind of does feel like that that's coming, that the the tide is turning on him a little bit. All right. So will, where can people find CHGO sports, CHGO bulls podcast and, and catch some of your good work. Yeah. You, you just said it. Um, you can follow our Twitter at CHGO underscore sports. That's our main account for like all, all the teams that we cover bulls, bears, Sox, cubs, all of them. Um, and then CHGO Bulls is at CHGO underscore Bulls. And I am Will underscore Gottlieb. And I'll be writing and podcasting every day. So come check out my work there. All right, Will. We appreciate you, man, for joining us. Always a good time. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. So Thanksgiving holidays coming up, Drew. What are you thankful for and it doesn't even have to be as a bulls fan i guess what are you thankful for as an nba fan so far this season thankful for as an nba fan because i don't know like can you be thankful of anything really the bulls have done to this point i don't know (laughs) um i think i'm 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 gonna take it a different a different direction I, i think i'm thankful for teams that before the season started everybody thought would be tanking teams like Utah and um, even the Indiana Pacers of the world, uh, the Sacramento Kings of the world, uh, teams like these who have gotten off to pretty good starts. Um, I'm thankful for that because I think it makes the, the NBA better. You know, it's still very early in the season. And as observers of this Bulls team, we know that things can change at the drop of a dime, <laughs> but I'm thankful for that, that, for now, some of the lesser teams are being competitive or playing competitive basketball. You kind of stole my answer. I, I was going to say I'm thankful for a little bit of parity coming out of the gate. It, it's making, I feel like, even average games that we thought on the schedule, making them pretty entertaining to watch. And it's kind of cool even to see teams like OKC, Orlando, kind of like what we talked about in the last episode, 
actually come out and put together some good games, even if they're not winning all the time. And it's it's kind of cool to see that level of parity. We haven't really seen that in the NBA in you know the last 10, 15 years. So I've actually really enjoyed that. Um, I'm also thankful for something else in Chicago sports. I'm thankful for Justin Fields. <laughs> I just wish that the Bears would win some games, though, too. But yeah, yeah, I, you know, Vegas can't be choosers, right? How long have we been begging for a, a halfway decent quarterback? <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like, okay, now, now let's see it. Now, now we've been, we've gotten a nice taste and now we're getting greedy. That's just, that's fandom, man. That's progression to fandom. And that's what happened with the bulls, right? We got a little yeah. taste last year and now we want more. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, Victim, victims of their own success as it were. And Hey, I guess that's a good problem, right? It's a good thing to have. So as always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, if you're still there, at mgenteel88 is my Twitter handle. Drew's is at look what Drew did. And of course, a rebuildable podcast at rebuild underscore a underscore bull. And of course, we're also on TikTok at rebuildable pod. So check us out there for some previews. More and more are going to start popping up. So with that, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.